For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. David Hope entitled Perspective. Perspective. Mr. Hope. Thank you, Mr. Reg Nolan. Good afternoon. Well, when the kids leave, we seem like we're almost empty, but there's still a good crowd in here, though. As we, someone told us years ago, you know, it don't make any difference. There's two or three, or you know, two or three hundred. You know, you empty both barrels and you give them everything you can. So we're not going to hold back. We'll try putting that off for a minute. Leave it on. One thing that precipitated this message was, you know, what's going on in the world today. You know, we've it's been for a while now that Christians overseas and other places around the world have been persecuted and killed and demined and all that. It's getting to the point now in our country where, uh, you know, we can see the handwriting on the wall. You know. Canada was a little bit ahead of us for a while. We went to the Feast of Tabernacles, what, 10 years ago, I guess, when Lawrence, Mr. Sabre, was up there. And, and uh, we had to be careful what we spoke about. Uh, if you get into, you know, certain topics, homosexuality, gay marriages, and things of that nature, you could be caught for hate crimes and persecuted, I guess. So, uh, And it's getting to the point where here in our country now, it's... It, you know, the handwriting's on the wall. Already, uh, what, about a year ago, I guess, uh, the current governor of California and their legislator, Lacher, uh, made a ruling where their uh, government officials of California cannot come to Oklahoma to seminars and clinics and things of that nature because of our, uh, what we passed our, our Courts passed, and if, uh, you may remember this, that if a, an adoption agency has a problem with adopting out children, especially private adoption agencies, have a problem of adopting children out to mommies and mommies, and daddies and daddies, you know, so to speak, that they don't have to do that, you know, that's constitutionally they have the right to withhold who they adopt to. Well, state of California is punishing us because of that, and there's other states that are uh, having problems too that have uh, uh, had strict laws on abortion and things of this nature. So that just kind of, and, and my message is not necessarily on that per se, but that I just couldn't get some of this stuff out of my mind. There's one particular subject that I'll get in right at the end that I really didn't want to do it. And if somebody wants to get up and leave when I'm starting into it, <laughs> they can. But uh, anyway, and, and the title is Perspective, and uh, there's different dictionaries, uh, you know, with slightly different views. And, and the one I'm using right now is was on my computer. It's easier to use it. And instead of having to type it out, I can cut it and paste it and all that. But the English, uh, in Carta World English Dictionary, 1998 to 2004, Microsoft, peculiar evaluation of something, a particular evaluation of a situation or facts, especially from one's or one person's point of view. 
So it's a point of view. Your point of view may be different than my point of view. And another possibility, oh, a measure or a measure or object assessment, objective assessment of a situation, giving all the elements their comparative importance. So we all have different perspective, as I said, you know, depending on where we've come from, where our history and and things have happened to us. And we have different perspectives on things, even on religion, you know, especially in the United States of so many different religions. And sometimes even in the churches of God, we'll vary a little bit on our interpretation of things. Our perspective may be a little different. Uh, Politics. Well, that's something we don't really get into too much, you know, unless you really know what the other person feels, you know, what their persuasion is. And maybe you want to put a dig in there if you want to do that. I don't know if that's necessarily good, but even within the Church of God, we can do that. Uh, even little simple things in your life. Uh, just say you're a young girl, and what, what is your ideal of a, of a boy, you know, somebody that you want to date, and of course years ago it was different than it is now, I guess in some ways, that uh, most of our dating was for the fact of eventually getting married. And if you're a guy, what is your perspective of, or what type of a girl is ideal for you? And a good friend of mine, when I was out living in New Mexico, we were, I think I was about a sophomore, junior in high school, and um, he knew what my particular type of girl was, you know, my ideal. And I wasn't dating one at that time, my perspective. And uh, Harley kept trying to get me to drop this girl. He liked her. He knew her. She was from a different town. And no, nobody from my town would date me. So anyway, but uh, all the girls in Farmington and Bloomfield would, you know, some of them would date me, but not twice. But anyway. <laughs> Anyway, but uh, my type of girl was a, you know, petite, short, you know, shorter than me, uh, brunette, you know, dark brunette, you know, dark brown hair, maybe black. And the girl that I was dating for a while, you know, several months there, was a lot different than that. It was almost opposite. She was a good girl. I liked her, you know, and we had good feelings for each other. But uh, he kept trying to get me. He said, I, you really need to date this girl. I said, it's just your type. I know her. I've, I've seen her at uh, uh, you know, car club meetings and stuff like that, you know, and she's really, really what you need. And I wouldn't hear it. Well, Harley was a year ahead of me, and he graduated. And, and then me in my senior year, he came back to Oklahoma. He, I mean, he went to Oklahoma for school to take some schooling, and then he came back to New Mexico during the Christmas break. And uh, he wanted a double date with uh, me and whoever I was dating at the time, and him and his girlfriend that he still had, Betty, and I knew Betty for a few years. And come find out, it was the same girl that, that Harley wanted me to date, my wife, Fran. But anyway, that was my perspective. That was what I wanted. And, uh, you know, and, and people have a perspective on... Uh, you know, if you have a service or a product that you want to purchase, well, wh what do you go? Who do you go to, you know? Some people's perspective is, I like a big company, and I know a lot of this stuff, you know, because I've been in business for 46 years, and I know a lot of people's desires and how to deal with them. And some of them want a big company that 
you know, that, that have a lot of resources and on and on and on, good reputation. And there are other people, their perspective is, uh, their ideal is, I've been burned by some of these people. I want a small company. I want a family-owned business or individual partnership or something where the people will take care of me. They have something invested. They don't have just a hireling coming out to do the work. And uh, a lot of people, that was their ideal, you know, their perspective because they've been burned on the others and they've had good success with, with things. So that's sometimes we get our perspectives from experience. And even in business itself, you know, some people want a, a large business. They want to grow their business and have multiple, multiple people working and all of that. And other people, it was the opposite. And when I first started, I didn't necessarily want to be big, but I did have uh, up to 15, 13 to 15 employees and, and I had three trucks. And, uh, but my ideal was not to be that big, to be small, you know, where I could take care of things, oversee things and, and all that. And, you know, I'm leaving a lot of money on the table. You know, I could be duplicating myself. Well, my perspective is I don't want to deal with that. You know, I, to me, it's not. It's almost a sin to to be, you know, having all these people. You got to keep busy and all that. So anyway, we all have different perspectives, and I know there's some out here that totally opposite, and that's good. You know, we need these kind. There's I'm skipping. I'm trying to get a little closer to the deal. Uh, there's a TV show that's on, I think, maybe once a week. I don't know if some of you may have heard of it, may, may not. It's called Cold Case Christianity. Has anybody heard of that? Okay. Cold Case Christianity. It's by J. Warner Wallace. Mr. Wallace was a cold case homicide detective in Los Angeles, California, and he was also an atheist. And I watched and listened to him. A lot of times, Fran and I will watch his show. We'll have a tape, and we'll watch it when we get home for Sabbath services. And still, you know, a few hours yet to sundown. And uh, the guy is real talkative. I mean, he just, he's worse than I am, believe it or not. And he finally does get to the point. He has some good points. But uh, anyway, and he has a couple of books. And I purchased a couple. Of, well, he has more than that, but I purchased a couple of them here a while back. One of them is called Cold Case Christianity, and the other one is God's Crime Scene. And I haven't read the God's Crime Scene yet, but I did, and I'm not putting, a, I don't get any money for this, but, you know, I'm, I'm about maybe halfway through the book. It takes me a long time to read. And, um, but I, I bought the uh, Cold Case Christianity, and I'm just going to read a little bit of the back cover here. It sounds like I'm a salesman for it, but, uh, and, Anyway, I'll just read that. It says, you can believe because of the evidence, not in spite of it. And here's a quote, and he had a lot of quotes from different ones, but on the back cover you got one from uh, Dr. Rick Warren. A lot of you know who that is, one the author of uh, Purpose Driven uh, Life. He says, Jim Wallace was an angry atheist for many years. Today he is one of the most thoughtful and winsome apologists for the gospel I know. Cold Case Christianity is packed with insights to share with skeptics and will give you the confidence to share with them. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to learn as much as I can. Curtis whet my uh, appetite here a couple of years ago down at uh, uh, 
Spring Holy Days at Wagner and gave a message similar to what some of the stuff he has in here. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it may be totally different, but it, what, what I gathered out of it, my perspective on that was a lot like what, what I think Mr. Warner has. He says, for, for the first 35 years of my life, and Mr. Warner speaking, or Mr. Wallace, was a devout, no, for the first 35 years of his, of his life, never mind, Mr. Warner was a devout atheist. After all, how can you believe a claim made about an event in the distant past for which there is little forensic evidence? Then Mr. Wallace realized something. Christianity was a lot like the cold cases he solved as a homicide detective. Cold cases that turned out to have enough evidence, eyewitnesses, and records to solve. When Wallace applied his skills as an expert detective to the uh, assertions of the New Testament, and most of his stuff is about the New Testament, but his other book is more about, you know, the overall plan, and it's, I can't wait till I get into that. But anyway, um, to the New Testament, he came to a startling realization. The case for Christianity was as convincing as any case he'd ever worked on as a detective. So, uh, anyway, that, that's just kind of a little bit of a, uh, a launching pad here. You know, Satan has always tried to discredit uh, God's Word. He's always tried to dis discredit uh, the Bible. And we realize even from the very beginning, you know, the, uh, what did he do in a garden, you know, with Adam and Eve? You know, he, he tried to discredit God, and he mentions that in the book, too. And of course, we knew that. It's not something new to my memory, but, it's, but you know, he did try to discredit God, make him look bad. Atheists try to discredit God in the Bible, and there are a lot of books, and they even mention some in this book about different books on the market that, that can do a pretty good job of convincing people if they're not really grounded, if they don't have a good understanding, that can cause people to turn away and not consider the Bible. Even Islam tries to discredit the Bible by showing contradictions of the Bible, and I've got a book at home that I read most of it. I, I put it back on the shelf for some reason. I haven't finished it either, and that's, I guess that's me. I don't finish anything. But uh, Anyway, but they, they try to discredit Christianity, and I can see how they can do it. And uh, what it is, Islam is uh, one of the fastest-growing religions in the United States, and I guess even in the world. And we know the history of that, what they've done over the years, but uh, they have tried to discredit, and they, and they do to some extent discredit the Bible and make their religion sound plausible. And they do that. One, one of the best things that they do, uh, Islam and also the uh, atheist, is to show the apparent, and I'm saying apparent, 
contradictions of the Bible. And we know that there's no real true contradictions. And if there is, there's something that we can look at and, and figure out and figure out the answer and realize, you know, there's a mistranslation, miss this or that, or taken out of context. And uh, critics of the Bible use some of the same things that that we and, and the church have done for years, you know, and worldwide and down through the years, and even some of the things that we use to show that some of the doctrines teach, taught by some organizations are not true. They don't hold up. They don't stand up to the Bible, you know. And uh, when you take and try to convert someone to another religion, you know, you, you can come in and discredit that. You discredit these people. You know, some of the things that we, uh, we do to, to tell the people, you know, Christmas. You know, the story about Christmas. You know, it's true, the things that they say, you know, Jesus was born in the manger, you know, and in the manger and all that, you know. This stuff is real. They don't own that. But, you know, we, once in a while, we, we feel like we can preach on that and we're not talking about Christmas, you know. But we can get into the truth of the matter. But they, they use it wrongly. And, and we've mentioned, a number of us have mentioned, even from the pulpit up here, about Easter, you know, the Easter bunny and the eggs and the things of this nature, and, and how does that possibly have to do, how can you possibly teach your children, uh, you know, about that when, when the Lamb of God, the Jesus Christ, you know, our Passover, and, and put him in the same basket as, as, or box or whatever as uh, Easter eggs and rabbits, you know, how, how can we do that? that you know, that would be really for heyday for them. I'm going to slow down for just a little bit. Is that okay? I'm going to practice my walking. And practice my breathing, too. That was one thing. Fran and I uh, work out if we have time three days a week with the, the old folks, you know, down at uh, Senior, uh, senior what is it, Silver Sneakers. And uh, one of the instructors there on Monday and Friday, she's been on this deal about me breathing. She's trying to teach me to breathe right, you know. And I've been in athletics, you know, like, you know, a lot of you out here when I was in high school and, you know, and I ran and I did all these things and did two-a-day football practices and all that, and I made it. And every once in a while, she'll say, how's your breathing? I said, well, I'm still breathing. But, you know, and I guess there's a proper way of doing it, and, and I need to learn it. I know people in the choir do, you know. You learn to breathe and fill your diaphragm and speak from up here and all that and, and you know and I need to do that I, and I'm going to practice that a little bit every once in a while I used to do that you know but anyway but uh, uh, what that has to do with anything I don't know anyway uh, and here's just one example and I'm not going to give a whole lot of stuff today on on that, I just want uh, to come out with a few things and the seriousness of it. <clears throat> Here's just one of many ways that they try to discredit the Bible. And we've talked about this a number of times, and, and all of you probably can even uh, verbatim speak it, you know. And, and I've been on to it a number of times. 
just in different ways, different way. You know, we can take the same scriptures and and uh, hit it from a different direction. And we've got the uh, uh, and what they what they use. They use uh, what I've talked about a number of times. Some of you have too. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, they all the first four gospels all talk about the last. Well, you know the a day of the resurrection, the day before the crucifixion, all that. But there are different versions of it, and they claim that since they're different, and some of them leave things out, this has got to be a fraud. You know, this has got to be, uh, uh, it can't be right because they don't all mention the same things. And uh, I'll go over to Matthew, and I've read this a number of times even up here. Matthew 28 and, and uh, may be too long to remember, but anyway, uh, Matthew 28, 1 through 10, and, and I'm going to read uh, verses of each one of them, and you'll see that there are slight differences in it. In, the, in verse 28, or chapter 28, verse 1, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to the sepulcher, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And if you're wanting later on, if it's important to you, you can even take down and write down each individual thing here and see the differences in the things that are omitted omitted by one writer and, and inserted from another. His count, verse 3, His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow, and for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said to the women, Fear not, you, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he had said, come see the place where, he, where they lay the Lord. Or, I'm sorry, where the Lord lay, where he, he did lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. And lo, I have, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. Let's see if I'm going to read any more. I think I'll just quit on that. And I'll go over now to uh, Mark 16 where the same thing. And you'll see subtle differences in each one of these and some very similarities in it. Mark 16, 1 through 8. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and the other, and the mother of James Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came to the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And here was a, a major thing. Some of them said, well, the other one, he said, uh, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, and this one says at the rising of the sun. Is there a contradiction? Well, it's close, but, you know. So, 
and uh, I'll go ahead and read through the whole thing. And uh, anyway, and they did in verse three, and they said among themselves, "Who shall roll us away?" the stone from the door of the sepulcher. And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entered, entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man. I think, I, I, well, I'll go ahead and read since I started that. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and where they, and they were frightened. And he said to them, Behold, no, be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, yet he is not here. Behold the place where they lay him. But go, but go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall, there shall you see him, as he has said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher for the they trembled and were amazed neither said they anything to any man for they were afraid i'm going to go over now to the same thing over in uh, luke 24 and i intended to read quite a bit more but i'm going to read just a little bit uh, if it had more time i would think i would have uh, spent a little more time showing the so-called discrepancies, but I'll read just the very beginning portions of it. Uh, Luke 24, verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing their spices which they had prepared and certain others with them, and they found the stone rolled away. So see, they found it already here, away from the sepulcher, and they entered in. And it came to pass, they were much perplexed there about, and behold, two men stood before them and shining. Uh, Time-wise, I'm going to just skip a little bit, but you can see already, and in, in uh, it would be interesting to put down the exact points that, they are, that are different in here, but I'll give you enough just to give you the point. Uh, John... John 20, verse 1. The first day of the week come Mary Magdalene, early when it was yet dark. So one says it's as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. The other one said uh, when the sun, at the rising of the sun. And he, he says when it was yet dark. And, they, and it and the other things in here, the, the critics will tell you, well, this, this shows that it's, you can't depend on the Bible because it's not accurate. And most of the, and he and most other people, even the Christian writers will tell you, you know, and especially in uh, the crime scene investigators, if you have witnesses, they all say exactly the same thing. You know, you have three or four people and they say the exact same thing. It probably was contrived. They probably rehearsed that. But you have just enough uh, uh, differences in here to show that they saw things and remembered things that was important to them from their own perspective. And we do that in our life too. You do that in your life. I do it in my life. 
and uh, different reasons. I'm going to get into the psychology of all of that, and I don't have time to read a little more, but I will say one particular example in Fran and I's life, my wife and I's life, um, not long ago, uh, make sure I'm not getting it. We um, heard about this one movie, and some of you probably have heard about it, uh, called uh, The Unplanned. It's talking about abortion. And I was going to mention that uh, we went to the movie with uh, another couple in the church, and, and I asked if it was okay to use her name. They said okay. So uh, Steve and Mary and, I, and Mary and Fran and I went to a midnight movie like we were, did when we were young. You know, we went to midnight movies. And it was on a Saturday night, you know. And, but anyway, we went to that. And what I guess made me feel that this would fit in the context of this, Fran and I saw the same movie. We were sitting side by side with each other, and then Miriam and Steve were there, you know. And, but Fran and I were describing the movie totally, not totally different, but we, we, we emphasized things that was totally different. I didn't mention some of the things. I saw it, and I believed it, and she was right. But my part was more important than what hers was, and, you know, and that's the part I tell. Uh, you know, she was talking, and, and I'll just give you just a little bit of an uh, overview of it. This, this one young lady, she had worked for um, parent, uh, parent, Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, and finally this one particular time, uh, you know, she had worked at the front desk and all that, but anyway, she had got, had to go back and help out shorthanded or something or other, and they had her to run the ultrasound, and it was a very clear ultrasound, very clear ultrasound, and different abortions, they do different procedures on it, depending on how far along they are, situations and all that, you know, some, and the one a friend was talking about, I think was a little bit further along than the one that I put emphasis on, and she was talking about it, just really a horrible thing, that they had a person to take a pair of tweezers and get all of the body parts, and record all the body parts to make sure they didn't leave any body parts inside the woman or young girl or whatever because, you know, she gets sick and maybe die and all that. And, and they showed, you know, uh, a little arm out there with little fingers on it, you know, and, and they showed a head up there, and, they show, and I hope I'm not getting too uncomfortable for you people, but they showed different parts, body parts there, and, and it was gruesome, it was gruesome. But, you know, that really affected Fran. That was her perspective of the thing. And for me, the pain that really got me, and I hope I don't make it too gruesome, but I think a lot of it, my perspective is from uh, uh, what I've done for a living and what I've done over the years, you know, mechanically and other things, that my mind caught the part when they were doing the, the ultrasound. And like I said, it was a very good ultrasound, and this particular one, they were using a, a suction or something rather to retrieve the baby out of there. And you could see that little baby, and I don't know how far along it was, you could see the baby resisting, resisting that foreign object. 
whatever it was coming up in there. You could see it, and it just looked like a little white electric thing, you know. You, you see all the movements and everything, and, and uh, uh, you know, you, even a lot of you mothers know that when you, uh, when you were pregnant and had a children, you know, you could touch the baby at a certain place, you know, or your stomach, and sometimes it would move, you know. And I know uh, one, I don't know which one of her kids was, but you're trying to think, I think that's an elbow or an arm or something. Well, then they'd move, you know. And, but anyway, this baby was resisting. It didn't want whatever was happening, you know, inside the mother to do that. And this is the part that really is gruesome to me, that they showed the scene, they you could hear the noises, and to me it sounded very industrial. It sounded like a vacuum cleaner, and it sounded like a food processor. And all of a sudden you could, the baby wasn't there anymore. It wasn't there. And then the next scene you could see this little canister in here, looked like a little food processor, and I'm, I'm making Miriam sick. But, you know, it was really, to me, it was very, very gruesome. Very gruesome. I'm sorry, Miriam. But, uh, uh, you know, we don't understand, don't realize what goes on in these, these clinics sometimes, what they do to these living human beings. We don't understand a lot of times. We just... We just academically know that, well, they're killing somebody, you know, it was a life and, and all that. And to me, it, it was just absolutely so real. And I saw the other, and, and it was important. But to see them suck that thing out and run it through a food processor and, and see the blood and stuff in here and then going down the drain. But, you know, if I asked Steve and Miriam their perspective on it, I bet you both of them would, would say something different than... The other one did, and I bet they would say something different than what Fran and I did. And I've been wanting to say something, you know, the last few weeks, but I know how it affected Miriam, and I'm sorry, Miriam. But uh, I wanted to say something to them to see what their perspective was, you know. How, how, what did you get out of that, you know? And, uh, but anyway, um, I'm going to run right down here. Uh, like I said, you know, and, and if you saw it, you you know, some of you would agree with me, some of you would agree with friends, some of you would agree with some of the others. It's very important that our belief in God and our belief in the Bible is very strong because of the way things are going to be. There are going to be, there are ways we can strengthen our faith and 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 you know a lot of things you know you know faith you know trials a lot of time will reading the word of god uh saying prayers answered but there are other things that we can do we can read success stories of other people we can read uh things that believers do and and like what i'm doing now you know is helping me quite a bit Although I don't think my faith is going to be so weak, but it, it's helping me to the, some of the research I'm doing. What Curtis got me started on here a couple of years ago was uh, to to be able, to the best of my ability, to uh, to show somebody else that 
the, the word of God, other than showing a miracle to them, but to show them that there are ways, and we have done that in the church over the years. We've had movies, we've had stuff. Steve has had some uh, clips and stuff. Others have done some stuff, and we do that. And these, these are things that can help us. But we want the best, we, uh, best of our ability to be able to convince not only ourselves, but we want to be able to get out of our skin and be able to uh, change the perspective of some of our loved ones and our friends and people we come in contact with. That's my desire. I hope yours is too. And we're fixing to take a trip, not you know, very soon. And I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, that we'll have a chance to talk to somebody and just out vicariously, just just some words that come out that that's going to encourage someone to 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 be challenged to take and look and see the evidence of God, the evidence of the Bible, and uh, anyway. So hopefully, we can change others' perspective and and be able to believe in the Word of God.